The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let's pray. Father, we, um, Lord, we are just thankful for you. We are uh, praise, uh, we just heap praise in the, the awesome things that you've done. Or we are thankful for the rain. We're thankful for the breeze. Or we are thankful for the, all the hearts that are here today. Lord, may you uh, remind us and align our hearts again to your gospel. Lord, may we be reminded that this is your church, this is your people, not ours, not anyone else. So, Father, as we hear the message, may it be a message that, that is coming directly from the Spirit, that is directly from you, um, so that we can continue to pursue you as you pursued us. Lord, may your grace be abundant today. May it always be. Lord, uh, we love you, we praise you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Ryan. Good morning, everyone. All right. Well, um, if this is your first time here, my name is Randall. I'm one of the pastors along with Billy. And uh, welcome to Grace City. Uh, Last week was Vision Sunday. And so we were able to share all that God has been doing over almost two years of ministry of being here at UC High School. And it was awesome. It was awesome to be able to share that. And so if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to go online. You can go on the uh, app that we have and check out, or check out the podcast if you were uh, missing it. So uh, you can go back and listen to that. Uh, but one of the things we did last week was we collected backpacks uh, for high schoolers here at UC. And uh, I just want to say thank you again to those of you who were able to bring a backpack. Um, and I got a message this week from one of the admin staff at uh, UC High. And so I just wanted to share real quick. Um, she, uh, it, this is one of the cool things too. Um, so Jared, who is opening up the new Chick-fil-A down the street, Sorrento Valley, um, brought some uh, cookies and lemonade and all that to the staff at different schools here in our area. And we also brought backpacks. And so this is cool. She says, um, she says, I enjoyed the yummy lemonade and I've received the backpacks. You all are such a blessing. As I was going through all the items, I just thought how blessed we are to have such a supportive community in UC. We can't do this without everyone in the village. And so, again, she just says, thank you for bringing that. And I just want to say, um, when we're talking about our vision, it says to be a church for our city that seeks new life in Jesus. Um, it's practical in the sense that we're not a church here for ourselves, but we're a church here to love our community, love our city uh, to the glory of Jesus. Amen? All right. So, Thank you again. Now, today, we are kicking off a series called New. And I just want to say I'm in a new phase of life right now. Uh, This is the first time this has happened where all three of my kids are in school. It's amazing. It is amazing. Uh, It's been a long journey, but all three of them are in school. 
and uh, it's a new season for us. And so September is hitting. Maybe there's some new things that have happened in your life. I was able to do a wedding for a couple in our church that are uh, team leaders here at Grace City, Bella and Eric, on Friday. They're in a new season. Yeah. Awesome to see this godly couple coming together just before the Lord, just saying, hey, uh, God, uh, this is awesome. You're a part of this marriage. And so uh, new, new things, new season. A lot of you are in that right now as we start September. And so we're in this series, New. Uh, but as we go through it, uh, we want to talk about just this text today, Colossians 3, 1 through 4, because uh, what this does is it helps us to see that it's not just new seasons that we have in life, but what we need more than anything is this, a new identity, a new identity. See, there will be things that come and go. There will be seasons that that change. But uh, there is one thing that when you become a Christian, when Jesus comes into your life, that doesn't change. It's a new identity. See, the word new is is everywhere. And uh, let's admit it. We we walk around the mall. We see it on TV. It's everywhere. And uh, we have an addiction to new, don't we? Neuroscientist uh, Russell Poldrick, in his article, Multitasking, the Brain Seeks Novelty, writes this. He says, the brain is built to ignore the old and focus on the new. Marketers clearly understand this. If you watch closely, you will notice that heavily played television ads will change ever so slightly after being on the air for a few weeks. When this change is detected by the brain, our attention is drawn to the ad, oftentimes without us even realizing it. Novelty or newness is probably one of the most powerful signals to determine what we pay attention to in the world. One of the things that Jesus offers is, he says, a new life is what he he wants to give us. And for many of us, what we do is we take this idea of new and we start to apply it to areas of our lives, all over our lives, and we say, well, I can do it. I can make this area new. I can make that area new. And, and what we find is, as we try to take this idea of new, we try to apply it, and we say, well, I can radically change my life and make my life new. I can solve all the problems of the world with the new thing. All I need is the new iPhone 8 that's going to come out and it will solve all my issues. But what you find out is this. When you get the new iPhone 8, some of you will. Some of you are those people that are like, you're waiting in line. What you're going to find is it's going to bring more problems into your life. More issues because you're going to be trying to figure out how to use the thing. (laughs) Right? New apps, new everything. It's like, how do I even use this? See, what we do is we try to take new things and fill our life, and we say that's going to fill the void new experience, a new city, a new job, a new romantic relationship, new, 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 new. What we eventually find is this, that the new never never satisfies because it eventually becomes old. It fades. It doesn't last. I was talking to my friend Andre this past week and he told me, he's like, he's like I'm listening to this, this sermon on Ecclesiastes. And what he told me was, he says, you know, Ecclesiastes, the pastor he's listening to says, it's, it's like this case study on life. And the case study is, let's try everything that life has to offer, every new experience, 
and let's just go for it and just see what happens. And so that's the book of Ecclesiastes. And it's written by the, the wisest man at the time before Jesus, Solomon. And he was a king. He had it all at his fingertips. And here was his conclusion. Ecclesiastes 1.9. What has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. He says, when you're talking about things, you can take new things, new experiences, you can take all of it, and you can pour it into the human soul, and it will never be enough. It will never be enough. It will never satisfy. And so again, what what does the Bible tell us? What does Jesus tell us? He tells us that we don't need more new things, new experiences, even new relationships, because it will never satisfy our craving. Here's what we need. Ultimately, we need a new life. A new life. And so again, how does God do this? He starts with giving us a new identity. A new identity that we can hold on to and say, this is who I am. This is what God has given me. Uh, In 1999, there was a very popular acclaimed uh, foreign film. It was a Vietnamese film called Three Seasons. And this movie was a series of three vignettes about uh, life in post-war Vietnam. So it just gives the story. One of the stories was about this guy named Hay. He was a a bicycle uh, driver, right? So he'd ride people around in his, uh, his bike and uh, take him places and get that, that was his job. And he was in love with this beautiful woman named Lon. And Lon's job was she was a prostitute. And what they found was as they lived out life with their identities, uh, they both had deep, unfulfilled desires. See, what we find is that Hay in the story was in love with this woman, Lon but she wouldn't give him the time of day. Lon lived this, she she lived in poverty and would only spend the night in some of the most beautiful places in the city for one night, and that was all. She hoped that what she did would eventually be able to buy her way out of her life and where she was at. But what she found was it enslaved her. It enslaved her. So her identity, who she was, and what she did, it enslaved her. See, what they found was their level of being able to get to where they thought they could be was only so far. His identity was only this guy who would ride a bike around. Hers was just this prostitute. And she thought she could get, and they thought they could get out of this life if if they just earned their way out of it, strive their way out of it. And whether you believe it or not today, as we look at this, all of us have this identity. And we're only at this certain place. 
And we think, if, if I could just get to this place, if I could just work my way, strive my way to earn something higher, then my identity is going to be validated at some point. I'll get there. I'm going to strive hard enough to get there. And what Jesus says is it's not going to work. Us trying to earn our identity, us trying to strive our way to this place is not going to work. It doesn't give us life, it steals our life. John 10.10 says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. See, as we're stuck with this identity that we feel like we've been given, right, or maybe we've just kind of fallen into, this is my work, this is my life, this is everything. Jesus says, I want to give you life abundantly. That's so much better than the one that you have maybe fallen into or you keep striving for. And so how does God offer us a new identity in Jesus? Well, our text today gives us three ways. And here's what our text tells us. This is the three ways. The first one is this, where to start, what to do, where we're going. Where to start, what to do, where we're going. So we all need a starting place, right? And so uh, we get that starting place in verse one, um, the first part. And here's what it says. If then you have been raised with Christ. Now one of the main points in all of Colossians is this emphasis on death and life. The Apostle Paul emphasizes it throughout, and um, it's this continual common theme throughout the Bible. Death, life. Death, life. If we go to the book of Ephesians 2, 1, uh, and then we read into 4 and 5, here's what it says is this. It says, You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. And then verses 4 and 5. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And so there are a lot of places we can start, but where does the Bible tell us to start? The Bible tells us to start with this, that we were dead. We're dead. We are spiritually dead in our trespasses and sins. And so when you look back at Genesis chapter 3, like there's a spiritual deadness that came upon all of us. And what we need more than anything in that starting place is we need a Savior to make us alive. And the only one that can make us alive is this, a God that's full of grace. A, a God that comes and, and says, okay, this is where your starting place is and it's not striving any longer, trying to make your life better. It's starting with the idea of grace. Now, every new year, there's a movement that happens. It happens in January every year. Here's the movement. New year, new you, <laughs> right? New year, new me. I'm going for it. How many of us made resolutions? How many of us kept them? All right. In 2014, uh, Pew Research Center put out an article 
called New Year, New You, question mark. And here's what they said. What are Americans resolving to do? This year, he's talking about 2014, Americans are more concerned about other self-perceived shortcomings. So this, 12% of those who plan to make a resolution say they want to spend less money or save more. 12% want to be a better person. 12% want to exercise more. About the same share, 11% of Americans say they resolve to lose weight. Among those who had a New Year's resolution and remember it, 72% said they kept it. If that holds up, we can all look forward to a trimmer, more financially sound, kinder American public in 2014. And perhaps the need for fewer resolutions in the future. As I look through the lens of 2017, I would say that we have the same problems and we're probably not any of those things. Just a guess. Here's the, here's the, the truth. Jesus didn't come to offer us a better chance at correcting a few of our shortcomings here and there. That, that, that's not why he came. He came to us and said this. He says, uh, you're, you're striving, you're running that race, you need to start over. You need, you need to go back to the starting line. And it's not gonna be on your strength you're gonna do it, but I'm actually gonna do it for you. He says, you don't, you don't need a makeover. You need something brand new. You need a brand new life. But here's where it starts. It starts with admitting that apart from him, we're dead. We're dead. I have no shot. I am at a spiritual dead end. I can't do it. That's where the gospel starts. That's where the message of Christianity starts. For many of us, I, and I remember the first time I walked into church, I thought, maybe this is just gonna make me a better person or a good person. Again, Jesus came not with the message of, hey, get your life straightened up. He says, no, you're dead in your sins and you have no shot. That's the starting place. And it's harsh. It's a harsh reality. But here's the beautiful side. God meets us and says, you know what it starts with? Grace. Grace. I I'm not expecting you to earn anything, but I all I need is for you to come to me and say, I need you. I need you. And that's when he takes us from death to life. I need Jesus to take over. You can't do it. Because what, what happens is, it's like taking a corpse, a dead corpse, as morbid as that is, and we just start dressing it up in new clothes, and we dress it up with maybe some, you know, haircut, all that stuff. But it doesn't work. It does not work. And so what Jesus is saying is this, I'll give you my grace, and it will lead to a new life. By grace, you have been saved because of Jesus. And so it's, that's the starting place. It's him. Second, 
It's what to do. Okay, where to start, but wh- what to do. Um, this is the second part of verse one and into two. It says, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So here, Paul points out two things. He says this. He says, first, seek the things that are above. So seek, the second is, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on on the earth. Now, what he's doing here is he, he started with, okay, here's the truth. You can't change your life. You, you can't give yourself a new identity, new life. You, you, you can't do it. It has to be in Jesus. It has to start there. Now it's, okay, well, what's next? I've got this new life, but well, what do I do? He says, well, seek the things that are above. Set your mind on things that are above. As he says seek, he's saying that you won't have all the answers. You you won't be able to answer some of the problems or solve the problems that are in your life. And so what he's saying is, okay, the next thing is you need to seek what's above. You need to seek him, his wisdom, his knowledge, his ways. Your ways aren't gonna work. When you have this new identity in Jesus where it's like he's, he's taken your old life, he said, okay, you were dead, now you're alive. What he's saying is next is, I'm in charge. He's not just Savior, he's Lord. And so he's saying, okay, seek me and you're gonna start to get some answers because you've been seeking in other areas. And here's the thing, it doesn't work, right? The new thing that we thought was gonna solve all our problems on earth it ends up giving us more problems. It ends up needing batteries. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten something from my kids they are like, okay, I just gotta get this thing out of the package. Hold on, what? It's like the strangest battery, you know, like, I don't know, okay, Amazon, like, you know, like, okay. But it just like made things more complicated. And so what it's saying is, okay, as we seek the things that are above, as we seek his wisdom, his knowledge, his ways, we're gonna to start to know, okay, Lord, this is who you've called me to be. This is my identity. We live in a culture right now that says, I shape who I am. I create who I am. But what the Bible says is that God creates who we are. And we might start out really confused. I don't know who I am, but that's okay. <laughs> Because he says simply, what do you do? Well, you seek him. You seek. You want answers? You seek him. And he will tell you who you are. He will give you those answers. And secondly, it says set your mind on things above. Now, here's the thing. Like you can start seeking for a little bit, but you got you to gotta set your mind on something. You, you got to say, okay, I am committed to this. Uh, recently, my son, uh, who's been doing 
martial arts now for, I would say, seven to nine months, but really, since he's come out of the womb. <laughs> I mean, really, if you like seen him, um, he is just one of those kids that uh, the whole world is his martial arts domain, you know, and so he's running and kicking and, um, and I could tell you a lot of stories about that, but I'm, I'm, he's been at this place uh, and he loves it. It's his dojo, you know, he's like going over there, his sensei, all that stuff. Great, great people. And one of the things that's crazy is this place is number one in the nation for freestyle martial arts. And so it's like flips and kicks and all that stuff. And they have different levels of the teams that you can be on. Well, he was asked to try out for the peewee demo team. Okay, so it's not the senior team, this is the peewees. And uh, he's only seven, and this is his first time trying out. And we go to the tryout, it was, it was a little strange. We we're walking in, it was like everybody else knew what to do. We were just sitting there like, can, can you start stretching? Can you do it? You know, and so he goes out there, he starts doing his cartwheels, he starts doing all this stuff, and doing his forms. And they're like, okay, well, we'll tell you on Tuesday uh, if you made the team or not. And I'm telling you, I, I was like, and I'm not just saying this because I'm his dad. I'm like, he did good. He did pretty good. He surprised me a little bit. All right, all right. I think he could do this. And uh, so we go into the dojo on Tuesday. We walk in, and they're like, hey, we want to meet with you guys for a minute. It's like, cool, that's, that's great. And here's the thing. Like, up to that point, I've trained him. I'm working with him on stuff and I'm encouraging him, and I say, son, whether you make this team or not, you will always be my son. I love you. I'm proud of you, no matter what, okay? And so we're going in there, and uh, the sensei looks at him. He says, hey, um, you know, you, he's like, this was hard for me to score. This was really hard for me to score. He says, your first time trying out doing this? He said, um, you got star potential. He said, you could really do, he said, I think you could really do this. He said, um, but, uh, I just want to see if you're going you're gonna to put in the work. He said, this, this isn't, uh, you know, something that you just slide into. He said, we're world champions. And uh, I want to know if you're going to put in the work and you're going to put in the, the grind. Because they're, they're, he's like, I've seen a lot of kids with natural talent, but they didn't make it very far. And they end up falling off. And so he's talking to the 70-year-old like that, right? Like, <laughs> My seven-year-old son's sitting there. I'm sitting there with him. Son's just like, <laughs> just looking at him like, okay. He said, uh, he said um, yeah. He said, I, 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 he's like, you, you've got all the natural ability, but um, I'm going to tell you this time that you need to try it again in November. Um, and I want to see you better next time. He says, now you got a decision to make. You can uh, either say that's, that's enough, I don't want to try it again, or you can uh, keep going. So you can go get your black belt, but he said, this is, different. This is a different track. And uh, he said, okay, uh, Kai, what, what would you like to do? Kai says, uh, I'd like to stay on my track. We're like, what? 
<laughs> what track are you talking about, son? <laughs> he just gave you a couple options. Like, do you want to like, stay on the black belt track and just not do it? Or you want to do the demo team? What do you, you want to do? He's like, I- I'll stay on my track. I was like, okay. Um, so <laughs> I said, uh, son, do you want to keep doing what Sensei's talking about here or not? He's like, yeah, I want to do that. I want to do it. I'll be back in November. I'll try it again. I walked out and I said, son, I'm proud of you. Because this is what I'm talking about. When we're talking about setting our mind to something, there will be times where you don't make the team. There will be times where you will be critiqued. There will be difficult moments that will hurt your ego. But when it says set your mind on things above, it's that Jesus is working through it all. Don't give up. You keep going forward. Here's the reason. He knows his identity. His identity is my son. He will never stop being my son. My kids will never stop being my kids. I will always be their dad. And when you're in Christ, when you have a new life, what do you do when it's hard? What do you do when it's difficult? You set your mind on things above and know that God is working out some things that you can't see. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And he is at work amongst us in ways that we don't see. See, the thing I know about that and I talked to my wife, I was like, I know what he's doing. He's doing the whole martial arts movie thing. It's like you empty yourself, you get brought down low so that you can be built up into a new person. That's it. It's the martial arts, like having, it's like every martial arts movie out there. And so I took my, my I, I said, okay, son, we're going to watch some old school 80s martial arts movies. And you're going to see it. You're going to see the training montages. You're going to see all that stuff. You've got to work for it. Here's the thing about the Christian life. There's something in the Bible, and we see it all through the Colossians. It's, it's the indicatives and the imperatives. Here's the only way you can do the imperative, the, the things to, to do, because here's what it is. The indicatives are what God has done. What did God do? He did all the work to save you. He did it all. That's why he says he saves you by grace. Jesus did everything. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for our sins. It is done. If you're a Christian today, you put your faith in Jesus, that's the gospel. You didn't work or earn anything in God's eyes. Yet there's another side where there's imperatives. And so one of the imperatives he says is seek. Another one says set your mind. These are things that you do. See, sometimes we can get so caught up in, well, it's all finished, it's all done, so all right, I'm just gonna chill here. He says, no, the the done part actually motivates you to do some things to the glory of God. It actually helps you to keep fighting when everybody else is giving up. And so what do you do? 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God 
and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Like when, when, you, when you got all these ideas, when people are throwing all these things at you, saying this is what you gotta be or this is what you gotta do. Who do we go to? Who do we run to? It says run to Christ. Obey Christ. Even when things are difficult and they're hard and you wanna give up. Set your mind on him. The third point is this, where we're going says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also, you also will appear with him in glory. See, Paul leaves us with this amazing truth. It's this, that in Jesus, we have a security that is unparalleled. Unparalleled security. And here's what it is. It's twofold. The first is he says, you have died your life is hidden with Christ. Uh, this is what scholars call the already part of Christianity. It's the already. It's, it's the thing that like, if you were, if God were here right now and you're in Christ, that he's looking at you and he says, you are perfect, you are clean, you are spotless. But there are times when you look in the mirror and you say, there's no way that God could love me. Do you know the kind of week I've had? Do you know my thought life? Do you know all these things about me? There's an already part that God sees, but then there's a not yet part that you see. You say, well, I, I'm not where I need to be. What I want to tell you today is this, that if you are a Christian today, you have an amazing identity because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, you are righteous in the eyes of God right now. So how do you see yourself? What do you believe your identity is? Are you wearing this label? Loser, out of shape, can't get it together, divorced, addict, fill in the blank. Because when Jesus looks at you, as you are in Christ, it says that you are hidden with Christ. John Newton uh, wrote uh, a man who was discouraged one time uh, because of he couldn't get past his sin. He could not get past his sin. And here's what John Newton says. He says, you say you find it hard to believe. It is compatible with the divine purity to embrace or employ such a monster as yourself. He says, we have little to rejoice in ourselves but we have right and reason to rejoice in him. Of course you're going to look at yourself and say, I'm not where I should be. I, I, I'm, I'm broken. I'm, 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 I'm messy. I, I've made another mistake. I've sinned. Of course you will. But God didn't ask you to look at yourself. He said, set your mind on things above. Look at Christ, where you are hidden with Christ. Christ is your hiding place. When you look in the mirror and all you see is a monster. See, there will be moments in your life, but you don't believe me now. 
Some of you are very young. You're like, I, you don't believe me. But there will be moments where you look at yourself and you say, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I was that type of person because I don't believe in those type of people. But then we find that we are the very ones and that's who we were in that moment. But here's the beauty of it. Christ isn't keeping us there. He says there's a place that you're going. Your identity is actually moving in a direction where you're becoming more like Christ. See, if you're a Christian today, you have an amazing identity because it says you have died and your life is hidden with him. See, what do you do in those not yet moments? You remember this. It says you also will appear with him in glory. My grandfather <clears throat> was in World War II. Um, had, we, we've got it framed at uh, the house where my family grew up. Uh, his uh, Purple Heart, uh, he was wounded, he was a prisoner of war, and he's got all of these medals of things that he earned up on our wall. And I don't have his uniform, but it would be, it would be awesome to have his uniform. One of the, the things that is, it's talking about you're hidden with Christ, it's, it's like this. If I were to have my grandfather's uniform, to put it on from head to toe, to put on all of the medals and honors that he earned, and to walk out. And if I were to go to like a, a World War II get-together gathering of people who were there in World War II fighting, and uh, what they would probably say is that as I walk in with these medals, they would say, there's no way that you did that. There's no way. Way too young. You weren't there. You, you didn't do that. You didn't do those things. Why are you wearing that uniform like you did it? See, it was everything my grandfather had done. But he gave it to us. Where are you going if you're a believer in Christ? It says that when Jesus appears in glory, that you're actually going to appear in glory. And when you appear in glory, it's going to be as if you had done everything Jesus had done. You got all his medals, all his badges, everything. And the only response that you can have at that point is, me? That's my identity. I, 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 I didn't do that. But God's going to treat you like you did it. Hold on, so how does he do that? Well, he says simply it's believing in him. It's great. That's why it's all grace. The beauty is that when we come before God in glory, we will not be able to take any credit for it. And I want you to know this, that you have that identity right now in Christ. You have it right now in him. That if you were to see yourself today the way God sees you, amazing. And so it's just some takeaways. First one, a new identity in Jesus gives us, number one, a safe hiding place. Psalm 46, one says, God is our refuge and strength, a present, a very present help in trouble. Do you run to Christ? 
during the difficulties of life. Second is this, an uncommon definition for life. You'll have an uncommon definition for life. People are gonna ask you what your life is about. Here's the thing, Christ is mentioned four times in four verses. Paul makes sure to emphasize that. Peter O'Brien on this text says, Paul goes out of his way to emphasize that true Christian existence is found with Christ alone. That's what this is about. As you live for Christ, you will be defined by Christ. You will no longer be defined like everyone else. And here's the thing, you will stick out and you will be a little weird at times. It won't fit into the mold of the world. And so my question is, are you living like everyone else around you or is your life defined by Jesus? Philippians 121 says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And if you live like that, here's what's gonna happen. You will have an unshakable security. An unshakable security. There are people that are looking at you, judging you and me all the time. But here's the thing. A.W. Tozer says this, the meek man is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his own moral life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson, but he has stopped being fooled about himself. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he is as weak and helpless as God declared him to be. But paradoxically, he knows at the same time that he is in the sight of God of more importance than angels. In himself, nothing. In God, everything. That is his motto. Is your identity rock solid in God? Or are you still living as a fragile person? Can you take criticism? Can you take being misunderstood? Can you take not making the team? Do you constantly crumble under people's disapproval? Those are the signs that your security is found somewhere else, not in Jesus. Yes, there will be things in life that that hurt us along the way. But here's the thing we take hold of. Christ died so that we could become a more solid and secure person in him from the inside out. Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You condemning yourself or others condemning you as well, find Christ. There's no condemnation in him. The only way you will find that is when you find your security in Christ alone. What you'll find is he is an unshakable rock. And so what happens in that film? Three seasons. Well, the bicycle driver, he enters this race and he wins the top prize. And with the money, he buys a night with this girl, Lon. He takes her to a hotel. He pays for everything. And then what he does is he says, I want you to sleep in this hotel for the night. He says, I care about you and I think there's something better for your life. Your identity is not wrapped up in the thing that you do. It's wrapped up in knowing that somebody else loves you. And so he just sat there that night and watched her sleep. 
Lon found that type of grace deeply troubling at first, but then she found that it was the most transformative love that she could have ever had. Her identity no longer was in what she did, it was in the fact that she was loved. That's her identity, loved. How is it that you can have a new identity today in Jesus? It's because Jesus laid down his life, his own identity, and he stamps each one of us with this. He did it because we're loved. We're loved. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself to becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. God laid down his identity, was beaten, disfigured, put on a cross, so that you could have a new identity as a loved child of God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your grace on our lives. Thank you for the hope that we have in the gospel. I pray that if anyone here does not have Christ, that they'll find him today. They'll find that he's more lovely and more grace-filled than any new thing that we can fill our life with. Help us to find a new identity in him alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.